listening to episode 26, chapter 1 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Stephen Kurt was born and raised in a missionary family in Nairobi, Kenya. When in the USA, Stephen lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he received his undergraduate degree at Oral Roberts University. He went on to obtain his master's degree at Global University. Stephen has traveled to over 30 nations and has lived as a missionary in four countries while ministering and teaching in several more. Most of us realize that when it comes to sharing our faith, we could probably do more. We have a desire to tell our friends, family members, and neighbors about the good news that Christ came to save them. So why is it that we have such a hard time opening up about our faith when we know it's an essential part of our discipleship? Jesus calls us to make other disciples. But it seems like every time we set our minds to sharing our faith with someone, fear wells up in our hearts, and we find a million excuses to keep us from reaching out. And that's why we're so excited to be talking to Stephen Kurt this week. Raised as a missionary kid and now a missionary himself, Stephen helps us see discipleship and our calling to make disciples through the unique lens of missions. And I believe you will come away from this conversation with a fresh perspective on how your lifestyle of discipleship can lead to making other disciples. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. It's good to be here today. It's good to be talking with you. Um, we've worked together for a little while now, but unfortunately, you work remotely, so I don't get to see you every day. And uh, Though I do walk by your cubicle every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Still has my sign up, but I, yeah, and, and, the, lights, the lights are on, but nobody's home. Yeah. And, and your medals, so we know how awesome you are. Oh. <laughs> yeah, what's left of them. <laughs> for those of the listeners that don't know, Stephen Kurt, I sort of came to affectionately call you Captain for Captain Kirk, <laughs> but so I, I like to call you Captain Kurt now. Anyway, so yeah, from Star Trek, that's yep. right. So Captain, please help us understand something today. <laughs> All right. So we're really wanting to know a little bit about how missions can be part of our lifestyle of discipleship, and I, I, we really think that you are uniquely positioned to help us understand this because you grew up as an MK in Africa, and now you are a missionary yourself and have been for many, many years. So um, I thought maybe let's start back at the beginning. And how did the early years as an MK shape you as a disciple? So what I mean by that, let's make it a little bit more specific. Did you grow up um, when you were growing up? What was your salvation experience like? Were you sort of just like birthed into the church and that was just your life, or did you have to grow into that? And how did how did, how did you come to faith in Christ? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, so I think if we're going to unpack that idea of discipleship in my life, we have to connect it back to my mom and dad. Um, they worked at a Bible school in Kenya, and both were intentional about making sure we had family devotions and mom and dad wanted to get a little bit creative. And so they were searching for curriculum or materials that would engage uh, kids, my brother and myself. And so somehow, and I don't remember all of the details, they secured 
a picture book that was basically the story of Noah. And so we would go through it and I loved animals. I lived in Africa to this day and I love safari, elephants, lions, leopards, you name it. Like that's my, if I wasn't a missionary, I'd, I'd tell people I'd be a game ranger. So here's this book. It has all these animals. It has, you know, Noah leading them onto the ark. So I am a captive audience. My mom's walking me through the story. And I had looked through it a couple times before, but for whatever particular reason that day, as we come to the part where the rain is starting to come down and Noah is safe and secure inside the boat, my inquisitive mind said, mom, what about all of the other people outside of the ark? What happened to them? And my mom kind of pauses for a moment and then says, well, they they died. And that answer didn't sit too well with me. And so I wanted more clarification. What do you mean they died? Why did they die? And so she begins to talk to me on a, um, you know, child level, but still pretty in depth because I, you know, I was tracking with her um, that when you disobey God, there are consequences. And so for what I don't, it had to have been the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, the question comes out of my mouth. Well, mom, if I had been there that day, would I have been in the ark or would I have been outside of the ark? And she said, well, that depends on, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I said, mom, I know all about Jesus, but I don't know that I've ever experienced what you're talking about. And she said, well, let's pray together. And so we did. And I, I could, you know, I remember very little else from that period in my life, but I definitely remember that day. I remember praying with her and I remember the tears pouring down my face and something happened on the inside that can only be explained as um, the new creation experience where Jesus was enthroned in my heart and life. And it was a defining moment. And this happened while your parents were missionaries on the field, correct? Yeah, so this would have been, you know, I was probably, I don't even remember how old I was. Mom might know. I'm going to say somewhere around six years old. And yeah, so they would have been in the middle of their second term, I believe, as missionaries in Kenya. So you really and, were born into this world as an uh, as an MK. Yeah. It's all you've known, yeah. huh? Yeah. So whenever I speak at different churches and stuff, my wife gets on to me for it. It's kind of like our running joke because I always tell my favorite, and I, I set it up this way. I say, hey, everybody, my name's Stephen Kurt. I'm going to tell you my favorite cheesy joke, and I apologize up front because it's really bad. I'd say, you know, I was born in Kenya, um, but I'm an American, so that makes me an African American, right? And so, ha 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 ha! Everybody laughs, and my wife just rolls her eyes and she goes, "Oh no, not again! Don't encourage him." No, that's good. I like that. <laughs> so it's cool to see your. At least tell me if I'm if I'm reading into this, but it seems like you had a a heart for other people at the very beginning in some way or another by asking your mom, what happened to those that weren't inside the ark? And you said that didn't sit, sit well with you. Um, talking about missions as part of your early life. Uh, was that something that, that you really grabbed onto in your early years as, as part of what it meant to be a Christian? Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up because mom has always said, and dad, but particularly moms that I've had a heart for people since as long as they can remember. And probably my earliest memory um, after 
one of my earliest memories after that event that I just described where I encountered Christ, or better yet, he encountered me. Um, I, mom, mom had a, she was an evangelist. And so she would share Jesus wherever we went. And I remember we were going back to the States. Um, this was probably not even, a, but a few months after this event that I've just described. And there was a guy who came to buy our freezer, if I remember right. And he was from Australia, I believe. And mom had told me that they had had previous conversations. And for whatever reason, I was just so inquisitive about this guy. Who is he? Why is his accent so cool? How come he lives in Kenya? What does he do? And he was like this famous painter or something at the time. And I, for whatever reason, I asked, well, has he, has he experienced Jesus? Like I experienced Jesus. And she said, no, he's actually an atheist. Well, that didn't mean anything more than if you'd told me that, you know, some big complicated word that I don't know now. And so I was like, well, what's an atheist? And so she said, well, it's somebody who doesn't believe in God. And I just remember that just, I was like, doesn't believe in God? That exists? How can that be? So he shows up to pick up his freezer. This is like four o'clock in the afternoon, just like a month before we're moving back to the States for a year or so. And I'm standing in the driveway and there's tears coming down my eyes. And finally, this guy is like looking at me like, what in the world? And I was like, how can you not believe in God? And he's just like, who's this kid? Like, what is the deal here? Right. And it's, and I just, I just remember it, it moved me. And, and I think it was, it was because whenever I encountered Jesus that day from the story of Noah, um, mom had set it up and I guess it was more the picture book had set it up. Like people who don't have this encounter with Christ, don't have this relationship with Christ, like it wasn't a pretty picture. And so I, I, I just, from that day forward, it was like something about uh, my parents' commitment to serving others in Africa just really gave me a heart for people. And also, I guess I developed this evangelistic kind of um, slant to my life where I wanted other people not to have to experience what, you know, the people outside the ark experienced. So what did your early school years look like? Did you take that passion into the, into your uh, Kenyan school with you? Because I imagine, I, I want to paint the picture for everybody listening, because most people that are listening, we have listeners around the world, but most of our audience is in the United States. And, you know, so we get this drilling in us that we should go to school and be a good witness for Jesus. And so, um, you know, for you, that was your context, but I think it's so mind-blowing to think about us being put into, like, a Kenyan— because you were in, in, like, the Kenyan public school system, or uh, you can place this for us, but, like, what did it look like going to school and trying to live your faith out in this context? Because I think that's going to be a really mind-blowing thing for us. That's a hard thing for me to get my head around. Yeah, maybe not as mind-blowing as you would think, only because it was a Christian school— and it, it, we had about, I'm going to say 50% of the students were associated with some kind of a missions organization. And then the other 50% were either business people's kids, or maybe diplomats or United Nations. So in most of my classes, you had about 50% of the people, maybe 60% of the people that at least at face level subscribed to the gospel and a, you know, at least nominal uh, belief in Christ. Then you had the other 50, 40% who, you know, could be anything from Hindus to Muslims to um, Sikhs, you know, multiple um, religions. And so 
what was school like? Well, we had Bible class, I think, twice a week or something in chapel once a week. And so obviously that was more of your Christian faith. And so I think the way that the discipleship component played out for me was I wasn't so much concerned with the people in my class who said that they already believed in Christ and were the parents or missionaries or whatever. It was, I was always trying to look at how are my friends from Somalia, how are my friends from other countries processing the content and information that is being communicated to them? And are there points of intersection where this may ring true for them? And so I, you know, I, I've always been a a student of world religions, and I think it goes back to those early days where, um, in Bible class, like some of the kids would raise their hand and be like, "No, that's incorrect," because my dad told me that Jesus is not the Son of God. Um, uh, you know, and they'd be coming from an Islamic context, or they would say, you know, there's actually not just one God, there's multiple gods coming from a Hindu context. And so it was, how do we have civil, you know, conversation with people where you're not becoming emotionally charged and basing it on apologetic material that was credible enough that you could have a reasonable conversation, right? And so I can remember some of the kids uh, actually did put their faith in Christ. Some of the kids to this day, and I know obviously not kids anymore, they're adults, they still have never uh, come around to um, a personal expression of faith in Jesus Christ. And so discipleship almost became how do I articulate the tenets of my faith in a way that other people can relate to them and understand them? And even more than that, how do I live my life in such a way so that there is something different and attractive about the so-called faith that I um, and professing. And so that looked like, man, I, I've really tried to uh, serve other people at school. I really tried to take care of them um, in practical ways that I knew how. It's it's so crazy to me how formational the early years are where um, God can take something like your interest in animals, give your parents a book that shows animals being led onto the ark, and, and have that kind of spark your um really what it sounds like your heart for missions and at the same time something as innocuous as my dad told me that Jesus isn't the son of god can be so life changing at a at an early age like that and i'm learning more and more that those early years of form of our formation as disciples is just so crucial to understanding what God is doing in our lives later on. And yeah, I just, I just think it's really cool to to see how God kind of led you down those paths. And it's, it's different from uh, a lot of people's stories, but uh, it's helpful to see that, that God does those kind of things because honestly, God's at work in our lives regardless, even if we had a terrible childhood, God can still be at work in our lives and, and forming and shaping us as disciples. So, Absolutely. I think the a metaphor that best articulates that for me, at least, has always just been the idea of the tapestry. Uh, my wife has a company where she works with African artisans to put together handbags and baskets and this kind of thing. And so she's um, often taking me on the tour where the uh, weavers are and to watch these individual threads that by themselves have no 
meaning, shape, purpose, and yet when they are combined with all the others, threads and colors, and the weaver knows how to make a pattern of it, then after enough time has gone by, you look at that same thread being woven throughout the entire tapestry and you go, oh my goodness, that is stunning. It's beautiful. And I think that's that's a great in, uh, analogy, at least for me, <clears throat> excuse me, of how God moves in our lives and these isolated, seeming independent events, maybe painful moments, maybe um, disappointments, as well as, you know, victories, achievements. It's all being woven together into a glorious tapestry of the discipleship process that brings him glory. Chris and I say it time and time again. Discipleship is about the everyday moments of life. It's about those plain and ordinary moments that make up every second of every minute of every hour. And when it comes to creating a lifestyle of discipleship, we can't ignore these moments that make up the vast majority of our lives. Stephen's story is so inspiring because it's a story about the call of God that came through the everyday moments of life growing up. And what becomes clear as we look at his story and at the way God interacts with humanity in general is that God is always leading and guiding us back to him. And he does it from the moment we're born until the moment we die. Now, you're probably not a child anymore, but you can take advantage of those experiences you've had so far in life. I want you to start a memory journal. For 15 minutes, start by writing down all the memories you can think of in chronological order. They don't have to be detailed stories, just a small note on what the event was so that when you read it, you'll be reminded of that story. And you may want to do this in a digital document so you can go back and edit it as you go. Because this is something you can continue to add to as you think of more moments and more memories later in the week or the coming months. As time goes by, you'll start to see your life unfolding in front of you on the pages. And as you watch this happen, ask God to reveal to you the way he's been working in the everyday moments of your life to bring you to where you are now. Then ask him to use that to show you what he's doing in your life now. This exercise is all about getting in tune with God's story in your life and watching him form and shape you over the years. When we see how God has worked in the past, it becomes much easier to see what he's doing in the present. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Stephen and his work, check out involvedinternational.com. 
Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Stephen talks about the power of missions to transform us as disciples. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.